What do bees and ballet, the Yankees versus the Mets, and pickleball have to do with finding the dreams of your heart? Come on in to stand up and speak up today. Your choices will make you happy and you'll really appreciate what the Debbies have to say today. Hi, everybody. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of. Something not through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden. And that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and this is Debbie and Debbie coming to you from sunny South Florida and cold New York. (laughs) And I want to welcome all of you to stand up and speak up. It's another fine day with a lot going on, and I'm really excited to be here with my new guest, my new friend. But before... I would like to wish my youngest son a very happy 28th birthday. I can't believe you're such an old man. I can't possibly be your mother because uh, I don't feel old enough to be a mother of a 28-year-old. And he's my youngest, you guys. He's my youngest. So I'm so excited to be here healthy and happy and full of dreams with my dream maker. Mm-hmm. So welcome, everybody. Miss Debbie Krzyzewski, right? Yes, I'm I'm impressed. Thank you so much for having me. Another Debbie with a Y. It felt like that never happens. Another <laughs> Debbie with a Y, and that is rare. I mean, the other Debbies on the show, it's I-E-R-A. Are you a D-E-B-O-R-A-H? No, I'm D-E-B-R-A. I'm actually Deborah Ann. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an O-R-A-H. But <laughs> we'll get into the meaning of our names in a little bit too. So Deb, welcome to the show. And it's cold up in New York. It's cold in Florida, you guys. It's 63 in Florida. It's actually quite chilly for October, but it'll be up to 80 this afternoon. So I'm in my happy place. Uh, but today we're talking about dreams, dream crushers, dream makers. Do we even have dreams? I was in a conference one time and they sat us down and said, okay, think big. Think about what you want to do in five years, 10 years, one year. Where? And I'm thinking, sitting there going, gosh, I don't know that I can allow my brain to do that. You know, we live in the present and we get so busy that to just relax and let ourselves go, it it takes focus, intention. And I think we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're going back to when you were a young, young child. I love to find out about my guests. Where did you grow up? What's your family situation like? And we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, I grew up where I live now. I live in Westchester, New York, in the friendly village called Mamaroneck. <laughs> That's our motto, the friendly village. I am an only child. Um, my parents are still alive and working, which I'm excited for, to say that. Um, they're wonderful. They they brought me up in a, in a home of faith and a home of being free to explore who I am and what is important and if I wanted to try something, they didn't hold me back. And one thing that came up the other day, which I thought was really funny, um, because if if anybody follows baseball, the Yankees are on their on their way to the World World Series. And somebody asked me, they're like, "Oh, your dad must be a big Yankee fan too." And I'm like, "You know what? I just found out like maybe ten years ago." that my dad is not a Yankee fan at all. <laughs> He's a Met, he was a Met fan, but I mean, I grew up as a Yankees fan. And when I told him that, you know, when I told him about the conversation, 
he's like, well, I wanted you to, to be yourself, not to be the team that I wanted you to root for the team that you felt was your team. And, you know, the Yankees were your team. And so I felt like that was, that was a great story to show that, you know, my parents never held me back from my inspiration and, you know, from what I wanted to do. And they always brought me up. I am an only child. So I was around adults a lot and made sure that I could have a conversation and not be like the kid with my parents' friends, you know, <laughs> like be able to talk and be comfortable and for them to be comfortable. And I think that that really grew me to be uh, a strong adult, to be able to be comfortable in all sets of different people. And I, I'm very appreciated, appreciative of them. And, you know, they let me explore all my sports. So I played soccer. Oh, my, my cousins were big soccer stars. So I played soccer. And then I was also into ballet. And I became, <clears throat> I, I was supposed to go away to be a ballerina uh, for college, but that didn't work out. So a last minute game change. But instead, I became a ballet instructor, which now I think about that. I'm like, what? I did that. <laughs> I forgot that I did that, but it was a pretty short-lived career, and I stayed home to go to college um, for some family reasons, which turned out to be the best thing because now uh, my college that I went to is thriving. It just became a university like two months ago, and I'm doing a lot of work with them and working with students and helping them on their career goals. I'm going to speak with them next week. I'm pretty excited about that and some new programs that they have going on. So I, I'm somebody that I was, I feel like I was brought up to be multifaceted and be able to learn a lot of things and be free and, and to fail, to learn how to fail at things too. Because if any, I have a, a very good friend that's the local tennis star and I'm like, I, I could never, I, my tennis career did not work out so well. I got kicked off the tennis team right away. So <laughs> there's one thing, you know, I, I will be like, all right, well, tennis is not my thing, but hey, my friend is good at it. So, <laughs> so that, yeah. That's I fun. And, and uh, the ballet makes me laugh because uh, as a child, I was pretty athletic, but I took one ballet class because my best friend did. And that was it. One class, I hated it. I was like, I can't do this. My bones don't. My feet don't go like that. <laughs> um, and so I was like, no, ballet is not going to be for me, which is fun. Uh, tennis was, but I haven't played it in a long time. And pickleball is the new big thing. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, older youngsters can start playing pickleball because that's a rage down here in Florida. Oh, I'll that up by you. Well, I, I've learned like the past few years, there's a, a, a country club like not that far away from me. And somebody came over to me and was like, you can't have an event on a Tuesday night. That's pickleball night at Briarcliff. And I'm like, oh, excuse me. I had no idea. <laughs> He's like, it's serious. Like, it's really serious. And everybody's going to be conflicted. And I'm like, okay. We'll yeah, it is. I grew up playing paddle ball in, in winter. You know, it's on a platform up in Vermont. But pickleball is the new it stuff. And they're down here. They're serious. The 70, 80 year olds they are serious and they'll knock you off the court. And I was like, I, so I haven't started to play yet, but it looks like it could be fun. Um, the Yankees, I grew up in a family where the Red Sox were it. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause we were close to Boston. Yeah. Now my dad's been talking about the Yankees and uh, my brother who is a big Red Sox fan. He's got one son who's a diehard Yankees guy. And so there's always been this conflict in the family. And so lately they're like, we're not even watching. I'm like, I don't watch a lot of baseball, but I do know the difference between what the Yankees and the, and the Red Sox are doing. And uh, my my late husband took my daughter to one Yankees game in New York. He wanted to treat her to a daddy daughter date in New York City, and they flew up and went to a Yankees game. And thought about that in a while. Lou's been gone a long time, and I know that was a really special date for Jenny. Probably the. Well, no, she lives in Dallas now, so she's been to some of the, the games out there. But that's a special thing, uh, at least once in a while, to, to do something, especially with your dad. So that was kind of a neat story that your dad, did he ever take you to the games? Um, I, I've gone to so many games. I actually took him 
to a Mets game. It was on Father's Day. We actually ended up sitting like, like we were sitting here and JLo is sitting right here. We were like, right, really like super close to home plate, which and we were, you know, like third row in. So um, that was pretty fulfilling for him. Uh, do we ever go to a Yankee game together or a Mets game together? I don't think, I think that was the only one. I think that was the only one we ever went together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I knew he was a Met fan because I mean, I always had an appreciation for the Mets, but you know, my team was like Yankees, it's Yankees, it's Yankees. And where I live, there's a lot of Yankee players that live around here. So, you know, it's just sort of like, what, why would you not be a Yankee fan? Um, but he never was like, well, what about the Mets? Or he was like, always just supportive of it. And so I didn't really think of him as this diehard Met fan, but apparently he he was back in the day he actually I remember him going to the 86 uh, World Series wow the games with his friends but it started with the Dodgers and then when they moved out west then it was the Mets and he he just sort of stuck with that so okay what a what a nice memory how old is your dad he just turned 79 oh gosh he's young (laughs) <laughs> he and mom are young mine just turned 93 and he's young talk about you know resetting expectations um my dad is I I was when I was in Dallas this past week I showed a picture of my dad to a woman who was 80 and she was talking about how she didn't want to get involved with a man, another man again because all the men her age she was going to become a caretaker for them yeah so we teased her about maybe going the other way and being a cougar well she laughed at that <laughs> there but you go I showed her a picture of my father and she goes, wow, he's the best looking 93 year old I've ever seen. That's <laughs> and, said, awesome. and he acts like he's about 60, maybe 65. He is so funny. And I think that's part of longevity is having that sense of humor and seeing funny in so many things. And uh, over the years, and even yesterday, we had a real serious discussion about long-term care and he's too healthy he and mom are too healthy for it, but they've been paying into it for 40 years. And I'm like, dad, this is kind of a double-edged sword because I want you to stay healthy so you don't have to use it. But then you've been paying into it for so long. We, we deserve to get some of the benefits from it. And we can't take our health for granted because as my one of my financial friends said, her mom was good on a Monday and then Tuesday she couldn't walk. Mm. So you have to plan those things. But it's talking about them that can be so debilitating for so many people because they don't want to, they don't want to confront their mortality or, you know, longevity or whatever, but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So enjoy those times that you have with your folks or with your friends and, and even the Debbie's today, this is the Debbie's group. Thank you for letting us know about where you grew up and that fun time with your folks. And you went to school. Did you like to to read or write? What were your hobbies other than soccer? Were you just an athletic person? I think the last hobby I would ever have would be reading. I'll tell you that, which is obviously funny being a writer. I liked to write. I remember distinctly in fourth grade, we had to have, have some standardized tests where you had to be able to write an actual short story. And I I remember messing it up so bad that I was being sat down of you have to get this down pat. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what happened, but I turned it around and my teachers were always like, oh, can you write a story for this? Or can you write something for this? And then I started writing fun stories for my friends of, you know, just like if they were down, I wanted to write a story to be like, imagine this happening. And I, w- I would put it, put that on paper for them. And, you know, hopefully that would make them feel better. And I never thought that it would be something that would be part of my life. Um, But in college, I had a professor that was like, you're going to be a writer one day. You just need some polishing. And I was like, who does that? Like, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I was always told you get, you leave college, you get a big, a big fancy job. You make a lot of money and that's where your happiness is. You, You know, like that's what it is. There's no other way to gear around it. Um, so I never thought about it, but then I did start writing again in my uh, later 20s, early 30s. I, I somehow had this crazy vivid dream and I'm like, I have to figure out what this was about because there was something there and I wrote it out. Um, but uh, the people around me that I let read just like, I don't get like, 
what is this? So I knew it was something. I still know that I still am going to write that book again, but um, it's it got lost. Um, uh, my computer. It was at that time where your computer would get 500 porn pop-ups and then just die. You know, like it was just, <laughs> you got hacked. Like, that's what it looked like. You're like, I don't know what's going on. And then it just died. And the whole mainframe um, fried. I had a, an external drive and um, I was working as a consultant, consulting job. And the woman thought I was trying to steal her information. So she cleaned my drive. Oh no. It was on there. And then I had a, a crazy boyfriend at the time that my hard copy, he, he somehow ripped it up. I didn't, whatever that was about. I don't know. So I have like oh, two pages of it, <laughs> but I still have the memory of it. So one day I, I will get that on paper, but I think pieces of it came. So writing was not a hobby. I, I really enjoy being busy and being outside and being with friends. So anything fun outside, like going for hikes, or I'm actually planning a big hike with a whole bunch of friends uh, before it gets super cold up here. And, um, you know, I love to do gatherings. So do lots of themed parties. We used to do a lot of that. And right now I feel like I just learned to, you know, during COVID, you know, you find your little tribe of people that Hey, we're, we all, um, don't have a spouse. You know, we all mostly are on our own and, you know, we got to support each other. We got to stay together. And I think we've been like a really strong tribe. And so we're always doing like group events and our next group event is, uh, my, I, two of these women are super into contests. So we're in a a Halloween contest. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. How do I get signed up for this thing? Fun with that. Yeah. We're, I, we're all going as like skeletons and everybody has a different skeleton costume, but it'll be fun. But, you know, it's just doing fun stuff. And I, you know, I do have a lot of younger cousins. And so being involved in their life, and I know we were talking about, you know, just being in, in their presence and watching them see things for the first time. And you know, I I, always, I remember those days distinctly of when I was really little and being with my cousins and being like that rush. It probably was from a lot of soda, but you know that, <laughs> that energy rush of like this is the coolest day ever, and just it'll never end, and it's so long, and just watching them kind of have their own vision of what that is and feeling, and you know, I, I just cherish those moments now. And, I, and being around people for me right now is so valuable and, and having so many good friends and being part of so many different diverse groups. It's like a Monday and a Thursday are like night and day just with what goes on. And, but so much fun. Like it's, it's just every day has a different vibe for like a different group that I belong to. And, and I, you know, I'm just enjoying that. And um, yoga has been my, my new thing lately. So I'm, I'm trying to absorb that a lot too. Well, and that's a whole different dynamic from the party in play. And I mean, that's settle and pause and reflect. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not good at that either, but it's fun to listen to you. And, and I would just came, like I said, I just came back from a, a women's retreat in Dallas and I haven't been traveling a lot in the last year. So to get around a group of 40 women, real high powered entrepreneurs. I'm sitting there going, why am I here? And then I was like, ah, oh, stop that. You're not, not enough stuff. You are enough. And, but I sit back and I observe and I look at, at the energy that's going on around them. And, and um, I really over from Friday to Sunday, absorbing their vulnerabilities as well as their passion and their power was really powerful for me. And it was exciting. Got my brain thinking. I, I have a I have a business uh, vitamin supplement company called Benfo Complete, and we do supplements for people with neuropathy and di diabetes. It was a company that my husband started, and when Lou died in 2010, I was thrown into running the company. Well, fast forward, it's 12 years now. I've had the company, and part of me keeps calling it Lou's company. I'm like you've had it longer than he had it, so. My whole, the woman behind the smile, I realized I was the woman behind the smile in the company. 
I did not own it. I didn't, you know, absorb it and think, how could this be mine? And how could I affect the lives of family members of diabetics? Because Lou never wanted to talk to me about it. He never, even though he started the business and the company worked great for him, he didn't want to talk about his diabetes. He didn't want to talk about losing weight, even though he'd done it, you know, hundred pounds here, gained hundred pounds, lost that flip-flopping, which I'm sure was not good for his heart, which I'm sure led to his heart attack, but we don't talk about those things. And I think there's so much information out there, so much support that needs to be given. And if we don't do it ourselves, if we don't become the expert, then all that knowledge I've gained over these years is going nowhere. So for me, the value was to sit back, listen, and, and then have them give me, like I heard you talk about one time, other people can see our potential so much faster than we can. They see a vision that we can't see because we get so focused in on what's in front of us. And so we need to put ourselves out there around other people and get their input. However, we go back to the dream crushers. And you, because you listened to your family and your friends when you got out of college and you went the corporate route, like many of us have, what happened then? Were you happy with that? <laughs> no, no, I was miserable. I mean, when I first left college, it was overwhelming to literally graduate on a Saturday and be at a job in Manhattan in a, on a Monday. Uh, it was, but it was fun because where I was working it was actually a lot of alumni from my college. Uh, and then we started as a group. So there was like 10 of us. We're all the same age. You know, we all just graduated college. And it, it was cool. Like we were having fun and, you know, you're in training for a month and we we're always doing something together. And we became like a, a really tight crew of friends. We're still, we still are all in different avenues and still all speak to each other in some way, short, shape or form. So then it was fun until the job got, you know, really into it and, and those hard moments. And it was a very intense job. It was a 24-7 operation. And I worked at night. So I worked four to midnight for eight and a half years. And that, you know, being in your 20s was not exciting. <laughs> um, I did make up for it on the weekends. I will, I will say that. So <laughs> Um, but then you're like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm moving one piece of paper from here to here, you know, and I understood what I was doing, but it, it was boring. It was boring. And then it, it was just so easy to make mistakes. And then there was a lot of anger in there because of the intensity of, of the, the jobs that we were doing. And I'm like, this is just not my, my future. You know, the, the dream was to be a manager. And I'm like, well, if I become a manager, I just put a life sentence to myself to do another 10 years either midnight to eight or four to midnight, you know, cause the day shift went to everybody that had a lot more seniority than I did. Like, I don't, how is that a dream? I, I have to get out of here. So I left and I just could never find my footing of for a nice span of time where I'm like, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And, you know, just keep trying. So I did move around a bit because it wasn't, it just nothing felt good or I wasn't doing good work. Um, I did get into some higher end corporate jobs that were, were what I, that was what I was trained to do and what I felt good at it, being in a, an operational leadership uh, position. And I, I feel like that was where I would thrive again. And I did good work. And what I, looking back, I learned that I really did love empowering people. And I really did love being able to sit with an employee that I could see the system failing. Like our company wasn't giving the right tools to this person to succeed. Or perhaps we hired somebody because it filled a void at that time, but it, that person is not right for this job. And, you know, it's not a finger pointing thing. It's, it's just, I, I, that moment of when you have to go and let somebody go that wears on you. And when you're doing droves and droves of people, there's something wrong here. Like we shouldn't be firing people. We should be empowering people. So once I was able to flip that switch um, and I was really enjoying the, the jobs, but then of course, you know, that gets stale sometimes too. And then, you know, there's 
all sorts of other reasons like financial region, re, reasons and, and also traveling. I was on the road at least four days a week. And some days I'd wake up, I'm like, I don't remember what city I'm in. I, I can't remember. And that becomes daunting. And then you're like, I know the people in the airport. I know the people at the hotel, but I don't know my friends anymore. I don't know my family anymore. And, and you're like a nomad. And that was miserable. So thinking, you know, if I level up again, that's where I'm going to be happy and fulfilled. And although I loved a lot of the work that I've done, I just personally was not fulfilled and empty. And when I made it to a C-level position, I was miserable. It was a horrible experience for me. Um, it was it was far from where I it was. It, it's really not that far, but because of traffic and cutting through a few boroughs in rush hours, not not the easiest. Um, and I'm like, this is the highest that you know you really can get, like being at a C level. And I'm like, I feel like if I stay here, I'm gonna die. Not you know, I'm going to have a heart attack from the stress and anxiety and being upset, or I'm going to lose focus. I'm going to get into a car accident or, you know, I'm going to turn and not realize there's stairs behind me and I'm going to fall. Like I just kept seeing destruction of myself. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this. I can't be in this mindset of not being, feeling good about myself, looking in the mirror and be like, I don't know who you are not knowing anybody around me anymore. And, and I was so isolated and hurt in that, in that space. And I was like, God, please help me. Please help me do what is it that I need to do? Because I don't care about the money because the money is not making me happy. And the money was also destructing because people around me were like, oh, well, you're rich now, you know, like, you know, you can afford this or we, you know, like people wanted stuff for you from you because you, made more money or they perceived, nobody knew what my paycheck was, but they perceived that because I had this high level job, I'm making a lot more money. And, you know, people want ugly things for you. And it's like, I don't care about a fancy car. I don't care about going on a fancy vacation. I want to spend time with people. I want to not have this feeling every day of, I don't want to go there. <clears throat> and there came a point of, there's no amount of money that is buying me happiness. And I've definitely given that a, a try and I need to feel happy because I, I I'm going to, I'm not going to be here if I keep this up. So I listened to the voice inside of me that said, you need to leave. And I think you should write. I think you should just start writing and don't worry about what it is. Just I'll help you and guide you. And I'm like, everything else doesn't feel good. So that that's the only logical thing I could I can listen to, I should finally start listening to the voice that's talking to me. And I believe it's God. And I did, I, I left, I wrote three books in nine months. And um, I had a consulting business that every, every job for my consulting just had these dead walls. And even still, I'm still not listening. I'm still going after consulting jobs. But you know, whenever I'm like, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? It's like, I told you to write <laughs> and lead where writing is going to take you. So it's like, you're right. So doing that, I, it got me into speaking and, and doing podcasts like yourself, which is wonderful and getting the, my word out about why I was writing. And what I've been writing about was following your heart and knowing that you're loved and protected and that it always works out. And if you're, you know that you're loved and supported and you're here for a soul mission and, you know, you're divinely made for you and you're here to shine light. And I tell these wild, crazy stories and it's like, I get fun and exciting text messages every once in a while of you better not touch my girl. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, people read your book and you're, you know, you're not in that mindset, but they're so deep in the book. And they're like, you can't hurt this character. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? It's like, oh my gosh, you're reading my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> but people feel so invested in these characters. And I just feel like if I could teach people how to, you know, touch their heart, like do what's on their heart and tell it through these characters, I people see like, 
I, I'm not in the right place or, you know, it is possible to, to just listen and be scared and know that you're going to be okay. And it, you know, everything does work out and maybe I should look at what my job is and maybe I should look at that dream that I've always wanted to do. And I just keep taking it a step further of wanting to help people. And, you know, now I, I work one-on-one -on -one with people to find what is your true purpose and why aren't, are you doing it? And why aren't you doing it? And you know what? Let's get you there. Like, let's do it. Like, let's get you there. There's no, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's on your heart. It's for you. And it's yours for a reason. And you're here to have it, not to be mad at it and jealous that you don't have it. And I just, you know, have evolved into wanting the best for, for people and I actually spoke with a woman yesterday. She's like, why do you have, why would you want to help me? You know, like I'm in all this trouble and I'm in so deep, not, not huge trouble, but I mean, you know, I'm in so deep. I can't get myself out of it. I, I can't believe you want to help me. And it's like, well, because I could see the light where you're stuck in it and you, you can't, you know, and, and I know how to help people get there. <laughs> And I, you know, look back at my career and I, I did some an, an analysis work of, of you know, where, where I turned the switch because I just am an analytical person. And I realized I had helped in four years or less than four years. I had put over 550 people into their next level, into the job that was right for them, into the position that would make them the money that they needed to, you know, support their family things that made people want to get up in the morning and smile and be there. And that helps grow the company that helps the company see high profitability. And if you have people working for you that are happy and excited clients, like I want to work with them. Like they're always having fun and everybody's smiling. So Deb, take this back a little, cause I heard you explain that there was a job. It's actually the janitor story. I want you to tell the janitor story. Cause I think that is so applicable to, to everybody. Yeah, so uh, my certification is in a part of the dream manager program, and their famous story is about a janitorial company, and you know they were they're high turnover and what's going on and how come we can't keep anybody and it's not the most exciting pleasant job right, but they had one employee that would come in and he'd be happy and he'd be singing and, and you know like just enjoyed his job and they're like. Why, why do you love this job and nobody else? And he said, it's because I know this job is going to provide for my family and providing for my family gives me time to spend with them and enjoy them. And we can do things together because I have this job. And when he looked at the job as just a tool to do the things that he loves and enjoys, then he wanted to give it praise and give it love. So you know, he would come to work and be like, this is going to be the greatest day ever, you know, and he would just enjoy what he was doing because he knew what it gave him. And he knew that this wasn't his sole purpose. And he knew that it wasn't defining him. What defined him was him enjoying his life outside of that job, but the job provided for that. And, you know, he, he worked his way into avenues that, you know, were better for him and in a better place. And I, I just think it is a beautiful story because it can be anybody. And there's actually in my, my um, co-op where I live, there's a, a gentleman that does the grounds and I've known him since I was maybe like six years old and he's retiring and he won't tell us when. So I'm always looking out the window, like, is he still here? Is he still here? <laughs> but uh, a few weeks ago, he, he said, um, I'm so grateful to be here. And he, every morning is like, how are you? How are you doing? You know, just very pleasant, no matter what it is. And there's parts of the winter that are not pretty. And he shows up and he's still smiling and happy. And, and um, he's just like, I'm so grateful to have this job. I'm so grateful to do this and to meet great people like you and be able to support you. And you know, I'm excited because my wife and my family, we were able to buy this home on the beach in my country 
and we're all going to go and live there now. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life living in the place I've always wanted to live in and be able to buy this home for them and be able to just spend the rest of my life with them. And that could not be more of what I've ever wanted. So, you know, being part of this program and being able to help people and the story is about a janitorial company, but to actually know somebody that it feels like the real life story just made it makes it so real for me. And he doesn't even I don't even think he knows what I what I do. He probably knows more about me than I do. But, <laughs> uh, you know, just to know, like, uh, <clears throat> you've been in my life my whole life and you're doing exactly what my job is. And we never talked about it until now, until I'm in it and you're in it. And, you know, I think it just doesn't matter that we didn't have the conversation. The matters is that we both had the energy in the air and we both caught it. And I think that's, what's important is to be the positive person in your group. And who's, you never know who it's going to touch. It may not be the directly, like I'm working with you. It could just be, it's in the air. And these people around you get it and feel it and, and are living it. And that's, what's so beautiful. That's what really is behind the work is touching the hearts that way of, Hey, I may not have all the clients I want. Oh my gosh. Did I get my word out? I'm on this podcast. Well, my neighbors may not have listened to any of the podcasts. They may not listen to this podcast, but the energy is there. They know there's something that I'm doing that is really positive and happy. And they're like, can't wait to say hello. And can't wait to learn what I'm doing. And then they want to tell you about the great things that they're doing. And it's just, it's just a bowl of positivity. And people love our building because like everybody walks out of there pretty happy. I'm like, yeah, we keep each other happy. We keep each other positive and excited and it's working. So there's so much in that. And <laughs> it's the listening to someone else's story. It's the listening to their lives, but it's paying attention because there's so many people today that get so busy and they, they don't want to talk to the janitor. They, they look down at the janitor. The, the greatest thing to do is to say hello to the janitor and thank you for what he's doing because you wouldn't be doing it. You wouldn't be keep, keeping your house clean. It's the lady at the grocery store at the cash register or, you know, the bag person. It's those people who have extraordinary stories. They, you know, I love the public's bag men here because they're typically retired colonels from the Army or the Air Force and I'm military. I love to hear these guys' stories as they're walking my bag to the car. Do I need them to do that? No, I'm pretty self-sufficient. I usually grab my bag, but every now and then I'll like, I want to get outside in the sun. Come on out with me and listen to their story because there's so much there. But that goes down. I, I heard you talking. We're going to go back to the Debbie and the meaning of Debbie, especially Debbie with a Y. No, that's just us. Yippee. Um, but the, the, the explanation, the meaning behind the word Debbie, yes. Deborah. Yes. For those Debs listening and those that are out there, explain that because I see, here we are, okay, that's going to come into play. I see <laughs> the way we are in the meaning of our name. Yes. So the name Debbie, Deborah is from Hebrew, Devorah, and it's the bee seeker. And she did amazing things and I'm probably not going to speak eloquently enough about her story in the Bible, but, you know, she did listen to visions and to lead the Israelites, you know, out of turmoil and, and, and into victory. And what is important is that, you know, the bee seeker listening to what's around you, bees are pretty much impossible. And, you know, if you really studied them, they should not be able to fly. The first thing we always do is when we see a bee, we're like, they don't want anything to do with you. Trust me. And if you see a bee around you, it's usually because they're excited to see you because they see your light. They want nothing but beauty to be around you. So they want to make everything, all the flowers blooming, making sure that they're quiet and they're behind the scenes and don't bother you. Because if everything around you is successful, you will be successful. That's all they want is success for the earth. And, you know, they produce honey and that that has so many elements in it that are curable. So, you know, when we're sick, we're like uh, the, the whole, the, I think that we used to say, oh, go have a spoonful of honey. 
And it is, they, they promote that for allergies, you know, have local honey all year round and that'll help you get the pollen in your system so you don't become allergic to it. There's so many qualities of it that can just help you in so many ways. And I just feel like that that is what I do. That is what you do as well of just, I want people to be successful. I want people to be positive. I want to everybody to shine their light that bright because if we're shining our lights, it just exudes. Positive kills all the negative stuff. And you know, negativity, we give too much power because all it is is dark dust. And it doesn't have, it doesn't, it can't do anything. It just, it dies if you don't feed into it. We feed into it too much. But when we feed positivity, our light gets brighter and our light is shines so bright that it covers the darkness, kills that darkness out of your way. And positivity is, I look at it as a whole bunch of little trolls that are all rainbow colors and excited and throwing glitter all over the place. It's just like, this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> just glitter flying all over. And that's what it is. Positivity is just this colorful, beautiful creatures that are just showering a parade for you, everything and everywhere you go, because it's just so excited for you to be alive and to want to show your talents and skills and smiling makes people happy. And you can even do the experiment of going to a supermarket, just go to the checkout and smile and watch, they'll smile back go to the checkout and not smile and see how they react. It's an, it's an honest, instinctual reaction to be attracted to a smile and makes you smile if you realize it or not. And just knowing you have that power is beautiful. And why don't we teach people that? <laughs> well, because I can hear those curmudgeons in the background going, oh, those positive people, that's such woo-woo, blah, blah, blah. But it is, it is really the honest truth. And, and try it. It's fun because I can you know what I heard that about the bee, I've heard about the bees and I, it, my vitamins are, my girlfriends call it Debbie's bees because it's energy and it's, you know, it's good for you. And, but then I also, I love when you were swatting the bees, cause we're all like, get away, get away, get away. But the bees don't want to hurt us. They want to help us. And, and that's, that's all about empowering and being there and opening it up. And I love, I just love how you said that because it makes a difference and we only have to be there for one person. And I wrote down here too, you get more with honey than vinegar. How many times have I told my kids that? You know, although I am taking cider vinegar in the morning because that's good for us too. But with my cold coming on, it was the honey that, that helped it. Yeah. So there's so much there. And, and you actually created a whole program around this that you call the dream pollinator. Yeah, the dream pollination. Pollination, dream pollination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. I've, I've changed it a few times, so don't, <laughs> don't feel bad. Yeah, I, I I take my certification and all the work that I've done in corporate America, and I want to make it for people, for either a company that is like, we, we need help with our vision, our plan, and we want to empower our employees. And so to work with a group and then work individually, because I think everybody has their own individual work to do, to be the best version of yourself, which is listening to your heart, which is exuding what you were here to do. So finding what your talent is, finding what really makes you smile. And it, it can, it's work for the individual. It's work for, for me too, but it's, it's good work. It's exciting and rewarding work of, wow, I see progress. I see so much vision for myself. I see fulfillment, I see joy, I see abundance and being able to help people see that in themselves just changes them. And I do for individuals as well. It, you know, it's not necessarily for corporate corporations. I do a program that has four seasons because I like to stick, you know, with with nature and bees. And I call it the pollination program because that's what you're doing. You're pollinating your beauty around you. You're pollinating the flowers and your garden to grow. And so you're putting all the seeds together. You're putting all your dreams out there and you forgot about dreams or dreams have evolved or dreams seem impossible because, you know, age tells you, you can't do it. Um, you know, financial restraints are a huge thing or, you know, your health is a huge thing. And so it's attacking all of these things to put them in places that are comfortable and feel good. You know, 
the number one thing that always gets brought up is I can't because of money. I can't leave my job because I can't afford to. No one can afford to leave their job, but guess what? Companies can get rid of you in a second. You know, your companies are, are starting to fail. I mean, we're, we're in a, not the greatest economic time of our life and these things are going to happen, but you know, it, it can also be your choice to make the decision for yourself of I'm going to do something right for me and stop waiting for it to be somebody else's choice and decision for me. You know, so one day you might find yourself in that place. And then what are you going to do? You know, are, are you you're probably not going to go and find your dream job that day. You're going to go and find the safe job that's going to make you unhappy and keep you in that cycle of I don't want to be here. I don't like this job. But you might have to take that job because that is your answer at that time. If you go into that job and treat it of, I am grateful to be here. I am grateful that I lost my job and I found this new job and it's going to put, put food on my table and it's going to help me get through this time period. But I realize and I could see that right now, this isn't the career for me, but I'm going to take this time to be appreciative of it and find what my dream job is. And now I'm going to plan it. I'm going to plan what it is to get there. Not everybody's dream is a career. It's just very simple that most people are unhappy in their career life. So finding, being able to work with people one-on-one, -on -one, I do it in four seasons. Believe it or not, you're much further in your dream than you really think or believe. So you don't know all need four seasons. Some people really do want to go through all four seasons, but I'm very realistic of, hey, this is what the season looks like. And maybe you don't need it. And it, there's no order either. You know, we don't, we're all born in a different season. So some people love winter and some people love summer. It's just what you migrate to first. And so we'll go through what seasons you need and what seasons you don't need. And, and, and just work one-on-one -on, -one on getting you to your dreams and what that is. And so you can wake up in the morning and feel, this is why I was here. I'm happy. I have a smile on my face and I'm excited for the day. And you'll see your relationships bloom. You'll see your health get better. It's amazing how anger, anxiety, and frustration ruins you. And you think it doesn't. So we feed into it. So it's like, well, let, let me go run to a substance. So let me just go eat some crappy fast food. And all of that is eating you and you're craving it because it, 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 it lies to you. It gives you that quick hit of like, don't you feel better now? And then you feel sick afterwards or you feel regret afterwards. And it just breeds you into stay into that cycle. So when, you know, once you look at it and say, this is just a cloud of dust, I can walk straight through this. And once you get those days of, I love my life. I love to wake up. Then you see, I don't need any of that. I This positivity is the best drug I've ever had in my life. And it takes time to get there. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. You know, it's it's not easy. It's work, but it's worth it work. It really, it really is worth it. And I just love to help people get there. And I like that because I heard you talk one too about it's us that puts the walls up around us. It's not everybody else. We have to stop blaming everybody else for the things that are happening to us, for us, around us, whatever, because we're building those those walls. And now it's time to get the mallet out and start knocking them down. But Alice said, you also said something about, you know, I can't do this. I can't do it because of finances. I can't do it because of time. I loved your saying, we choose not to do it. It's not that we can't. We're choosing right then not to do it. So with your program, we have to first recognize what's out there, what's holding us back. It could be finances. It could be someone has shamed us into something. It could be we've made a misstep, as my friend Deborah Morrison calls it. Not a mistake. It's a misstep. Uh, but we got to get past our pride, too. I had this conference this past weekend. One of the gals did a, put up a, a pink slip on, on the screen, and it said terminated. And so she's having this discussion with her, her higher self, saying, I was really stuff because they fired me and then the little voice goes well why because you hated that job so back and forth back and forth you know but it's the pride I get home and my found out that my brother had been let go retired army colonel, uh, air force colonel great job right he retired from the air force went into working corporate America to make some money and this 30 something said we've decided to let our turns out that it's the higher older guys that are making more money let them go 
We don't need them, right? So my brother went through the same thing. He was so ticked off about the way it was done and that it happened. And I was like, you didn't like that job anyway. Turn it around now. Yeah, you're mad. It changed what you had thought you were going to do, but you didn't want to be there. So where do you want to be? What makes you happy? Teaching makes you happy. Apply to this, you know, defense intelligence agency, this place. Teach what you know, because that makes you happy. Don't worry about the corporate money that you hated. You know, the guy that you worked for didn't hate. That's a big word. But get past yourself now and realize that sometimes we don't listen to the still small voice that says, it's time to write. It's time to move on. You're listening to, I can't afford it because I got to put more money in the bank for the family, blah, 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 blah. And so you stay stuck in that place that you really don't like and you want to make change, but other people aren't going to allow you to make that change because it's their company. It's not yours. Start your own company. Do your own thing. You got, you got some money in the bank. The people that don't have the money in the bank that think, oh gosh, I'm 65 years old. I don't have time. We're living older. We're living to be 93, 100, right? We've got a third of our lives. How do we get bold? And that's what I like what you're doing. You're there facilitating. You're being the little beekeeper. (laughs) And you're saying you have the potential. Just choose it. It's yours. It's yours. And, you know, and in teaching about money and how to treat money the right way, a penny to somebody once upon a time was a million dollars, you know? So if you treat every penny you have and every penny you see on the ground, like it's a million dollars, watch how fast money all of a sudden doesn't become such an issue. I mean, when I, I've had points in my life where I had so much money in my account. I was like, I don't even, what am I supposed to do with all that? You know? And what did I do? I, I just, I destroyed a lot of it. I didn't, I didn't give it praise. I wasn't giving it gratitude. I was like, I got a lot of money. Let's go spend it. <laughs> and I wanted to share it with everybody, but how quickly that turned around to sharing, you know, what you are making with people and how that changes a relationship with people. But when it's those times where you're like, I, I'm in the red, like I have negative nothing in my account, you know, and how, people treat you and how people look at you. But when you have a little bit of money and you give it to somebody, how that feels good to be like, I appreciate every single penny that is in my account right now. And I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of the month, but I know that this person really needs $20. I'm going to give you $20. I don't know what the rest of the month is going to look for me, but I know that God is always providing for me. I know that I have the right mindset. I know that I have skills. I know that I I can share my skills with the world that will make me money. And I know that I will be provided for because I treat my money now with respect. And I am not afraid to share what I have, even though I don't have what I used to have. But I learned that it's just a number with a piece of paper and it doesn't define who I am. I can't bring it with me. I, I can't, I can't, um, it's not going to change me, uh, in my passing life, but right now, um, too much money didn't give me joy. It gave me ugliness being broke. Isn't fun either, but you know what? You learn a lot and being in a place where you're comfortable and you're waking up happy and being in a joyful, joyful, day in mindset and sharing it with people. That's where the abundance comes from. And when you don't appreciate money, when you're rich, you don't understand money when you're poor, you're always going to find yourself in that cycle. And if you don't learn how to save money or how to, to really work with your money when you're broke, you're going to lose it when you're rich. And so being at both spectrums, I learned so much on either avenue and no, I don't want to be at the height of either. But I know that I want to be in a place where it doesn't ruin me and it doesn't control me and that I could be okay with where I am. And that is hard to get there, but it's possible. And I didn't learn that at a high corporate job. I learned it, you know, when money was really tight and I had to go back to bartending and and waitressing. And I didn't 
you know, want to do it, but I did it. And it was like this, you know, it, it's a lot of it is a cash business. So it's, it's a lot easier to have it in your hand and be like, this is literally the money I have to pay my bills right now. But you know what, that guy in the corner, I know that he needs, he needs to eat too. And you know what, here's a 20 guy, you know, I, I, I know you're struggling and here you go. Um, those are the moments that, you know, create that energy of, there's going to be a day that money's not going to be there for me. What am I going to do? But you know what you, what you don't remember is that day you gave that guy the 20 or you gave to somebody that in need and it comes back to you. It's it, the pay it, it forward. It does. It really I, I heard my sister-in-law uh, when we were together this past weekend, we were talking and we were at a restaurant with one, my nephew's 30th birthday. So we had breakfast with him and she was talking about on Christmas Eve, she had run into a place to get a pie for their dinner or whatever. And there were a whole bunch of local sheriffs there. They were all working on Christmas Eve. She didn't, she didn't go in. I mean, she went in to get her pie, but she didn't go and sit there, but she saw them and she went up to the cash register and she goes, I would like to pay for their dinner. Didn't tell them, right? Just anonymous, anonymously. And she said she walked out of there, no recognition, no nothing, but feeling so good because they were there protecting her family and the neighborhood. And they were away from their families. And she had the ability just to make, they, can you imagine their, their feeling when they walk up to pay the bill and someone says it's already been taken care of? that they were appreciated, that thank you so much. And that that's that's nice. It could be, you know, taking care of the guy behind you that's got a soda and you know, wants to buy a soda, but you know he can't. Or it's just to pay it forward. It's always paying it forward because it will come back someday. It'll come back. Now, I'm not saying go give a million dollars away. I did that. It's not coming back. <laughs> and, and I just realized, like you said, I'm not taking that money with me, but it sure would be nice to have a little more for my grandkids. However, my last suit has no pockets. Can't take it with me. But what we learned from losing it, giving away, whatever, has been priceless. Learned what not to do. Yes. And that's your thing. Learn to choose what's right, what's good for you, and choose what's not good and not productive. And I love the whole dream pollination program and not letting the naysayers keep you from doing what you feel is the right thing for you but then knocking down those barriers, making good, better choices. So how can people get a hold of you? Oh, people can find me on my website. I try to make it very simple. So my website is debbycruz.com, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z.com. And you can also find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok. You're, you're out there. <laughs> I'm out there. All the same handle at Debbie Cruz, again, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. And uh, I try to post a positive piece of information and getting close to your dreams every day. So I hope that that helps people. And I would love to do one-on-one sessions with, with your, your team as well. And also offer everybody a free download of my last novel, Soul Meets Body. And how do they get that through the website? Uh, I could send you the link for the for the free um, if you could put it in the, the show notes. But if anybody um, just wants to DM me or reach out to me on my website and ask, I, I'm very happy to, to send you a copy. The three books in 90 days. The last one was called Body Meets Soul. Soul, soul Meets Body. Soul Meets Body. And that in nine months, nine months, 90 days would be really aggressive. <laughs> I'm like, wow, 90 days. Yeah, well, I have a friend. All right. But it's the, it's the positivity. It's the thinking. It's the downloads. It's letting it come out. We talk about this a lot about how writing is so therapeutic and beneficial and it just puts you in a different space. And so I, you said yes to it because you got that download, right? Yeah. We pulled our folks, write, write your story out. Once you let it go, then the negative feelings are gone. And whatever happened in your past, it's in your past. You can't change it, but you can change what you're going to do in your present and your future. So, Debbie, thank you so much. Debbie's with the wise. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. And thank you so much for being my special guest on Stand Up and Speak Up. Oh, thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment 
into being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.